Uh, so uh, you can ingenue your question anything and everything. And so uh, I think uh, a lot of questions have been. We should discuss because, uh, because I would like to discuss our. Uh, you raised some very interesting points, and, and to me that that would be a very rewarding thing if we also had some conversation, and so I could respond and ask you questions. And uh, before he leaves, I can let him complete. How much time do you take, sir? Thirty-three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so you've done the you help us. He, he'll now take one three minutes. Because this is a genuine tradition to have a question answer session too and a discussion. We should also have the viewpoints of the students because what they exactly feel. But in genuine, you can question everything, and very rightly you said that you have brought in so many so many information and you know uh, counter arguments. Uh, we all accept that. We all agree with that. There have been fault lines in India, sure. Uh, we have gone through those fault lines. The problem is, if someone is trying to exploit that through an organized, you know, uh, mafia of you know uh, NGOs, etc., funded from outside, that is certainly not good. Uh, we need to really be aware of that and check that. And that's one thing. Now, uh, all of us uh, would probably not question one argument that India has had a very long civilization, probably more than 6,000 years of continuous intellectual activity. And that hasn't been questioned because that has some data which you know you cannot you cannot question. And this old country, this old civilization, doesn't have original thinking now. Why is that so? Many of many of you have question, you know, brought out the question of <laughs> curriculum being westernized, and we are not teaching what we should be uh, teaching in the universities. GNU, GNU, Munirka is Munirka. There is no connect between the two. So why it so happens that you know. Uh, uh, our universities, our education system is not uh, bringing in things which uh, you know concerns us. We are, we are studying things which are actually uh, you know uh, the theories are built somewhere else, and we are doing research on those theories in the UN, India, mostly of, of that kind. So the Western uh, model and methodology would be good uh, for uh, some things, but not for everything. So we did not import that. A whole and soul, we should do research and adapt that. I'll be very brief. Uh, now, uh, therefore, uh, when you get original thinking, original ideas, these are actually continuous Sanskrit texts. We fortunately have a Sanskrit department in JNU. We have a very bright faculty. Rajneesh ji is here, Ramna ji is here, and a lot of other faculty members who can very well help you and, uh, in going through the texts and getting the original ideas, unadulterated original ideas, because they, are not, they were not made outside India. They were made in India. So uh, please get those ideas, and the best would be Hindi translation, or maybe Indian language translation, not, do not trust English translations. Why don't trust English translations? Uh, because uh, we did a translation for, uh, you know, uh, for UMass Dartmouth, we were uh, translating Rasayan Sar, and there was a term Bhasma, uh, we need to translate that into English. We were wondering how to translate that Bhasma into English, as a dust or ash or something. <laughs> we were, okay, we said we'll keep Bhasma as it is, because so uh, it's, it's a problem, you know, we can't translate English uh, Sanskrit text into English language. We can, and all Indian languages will be happy to keep Bhasma as it is, because, you know, they, they just work well with Indian languages. Therefore, trust Indian language translation in getting original ideas. Now, there are uh, many controversies, actually. Uh, um, the controversy of Aryan Dravid and the Aryan invasion theory. Uh, if you study Sanskrit text, you will get uh, ideas, you know, uh, what exactly happened. For example, there is a text in Upanishadha, uh, there is a story, uh, and the person is saying, now I have, been, I have lived here enough, now I'm going westwards, where my brothers have gone uh, long back. So a lot of these stories will tell you, you know, ideas, you know, uh, uh, what exactly must have happened. 
So Sanskrit texts are the honest documentation of our history, Rig Veda beginning with. So we have to approach these texts very, very honestly. And in this connection, the whole controversy of Arya versus Dhamar. And uh, it's a uh, made-up made up controversy, actually. And in the Mahabharata Adi Parva, uh, there is a, these terms are already there, Arya, Dravida, Kerala, Chod. And uh, it appears that all these are basically the same people living in different parts of the India, in different parts of the country. These are regional connotations, as we have Biharis, Punjabis, etc. today. So genetically, biologically, these are the same people. And uh, this has been proved by a research by Professor Bamjai, who was supposed to be here. His research says that the genetic constitution of a Kashmiri Brahmin is exactly the same as Paswans of Bihar. There is no difference between the two. So caste, if any, in India is, of course, very, very recent. If not, if not, you know, uh, so this something must have happened. I agree with you. Uh, uh, some uh, something happened in the country, maybe external, internal, uh, uh, our, our own problems, maybe, and we, uh, you know, you know, multiplied into many, many castes. And there have been atrocities of caste also, and we all accept that, and we need to solve those problems internally. Then let anybody else uh, solve it from outside. Now, uh, the similar controversy uh, ranges on the whole question of uh, Vedic versus Proto-Indo-European. We have a book, Rajiv, we, we did a seminar in UMass Dartmouth, and the book is uh, Perspectives on the Origin of Indian Civilization. It's been edited by me and Angela Marcantoni, a linguist. So uh, please uh, read that book. There are a lot of new data coming in, and uh, what we are positing that, and maybe there was an Indic family in India, and that led to these uh, you know, uh, language families in India, and there was, must be a proto-Indic. We may or may not have had connections with the European family. I, I mean, it doesn't make uh, you know, many people feel good that we had connections uh, with Europe, and therefore they have a legit legitimacy in colonizing or whatever uh, uh, to do in India. So, uh, but then, you know, uh, there has been a very good paper by uh, Professor Kazanas. He says that it's a very good idea to actually posit Vedic as the earliest uh, source than, than Proto-Indo-European, which is uh, an imaginary source, actually. There are a lot more data, actually, in that book. You can see uh, the data that positing Vedic as the earliest would be much more, you know, logical and symmetrical than, uh, than positing uh, Proto-Indo-European, which is, of course, imaginary. Now, uh, there's a new data, actually. Uh, there was a fieldwork done in Himachal. There's a Bangani uh, village, actually. Bangani language has Kenjum properties, and uh, that actually falsifies most of the data that was given earlier by the Indo-Europeanists and Proto-Indo-Europeanists. So uh, certainly, I mean, I'll just, uh, I hope I have not overshot my uh, three minutes' time. Uh, there's certainly a great demand uh, that we need to think original and uh, think about you know, problems and ideas which concern us immediately, uh, then probably do and redo things which are not of our immediate concern. So I would say certainly that we should be aware of uh, things happening uh, in India, outside India, and be a little bit more concerned. And therefore, uh, Rajiv's work, uh, his uh, books are uh, certainly an eye-opener to all of us. Please go through those books and see you know, if you can get some nice data to uh, you know, make an argument. Thank you very much.